Good morning. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the books of Luke and 1 Peter. First, from Luke, chapter 1, verses 13 through 15 and 24 through 25. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you will name him John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for it will be great in the sight of the Lord. After those days, his wife, Elizabeth, conceived. And for five months she remained in seclusion. She said, This is what the Lord has done for me when he looked favorably on me and took away the disgrace I have endured amongst my people. From 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 8 through 9. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is the word of God for the people of God. As we have heard the word of God read to us, let us ask now for God's Holy Spirit to lead us and open our minds and our hearts to understanding it. So would you bow me for me in a moment of prayer? Gracious God, we thank you for this time. A time to break away from the hustle and the bustle and all the activities that surround this season that just make us weary, distracted tired, and sometimes a little sad. God, we need this moment where we focus upon the real reason for the season, a time that can restore our hope, our joy, a light to shine in our darkness. So come, Holy Spirit, open our hearts and our minds, fill this place, draw near to us as God with us. Help us, God, to understand your word now. It's meaning for our life. It's, it's power to transform us, to bring joy in the midst of sadness or despair, light in the midst of darkness, hope. So we offer ourselves to you this. We offer this moment in, in your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have you ever given or received a puppy for Christmas? 
<laughs> Some of you nodding yes. Yeah, at least you've seen the TV commercials about it, right? Uh, it's that, that's super cute, uh, cuddly little ball of fur, and then it has the you know the bow, a big red bow wrapped around its neck or something, and and uh, it's, it's always an adorable scene where it pops out and it just begins to jump in the arms of the one who it's, it's new owner and it's licking and it's giving kisses and all stuff and it's just you, know, you get those warm fuzzy, you're feeling it even now, aren't you? When <laughs> you feel like that, that lady after church says, "No, I don't like dogs." So, okay, but just imagine your pet of your own then. <clears throat> but uh, it, but if you've ever actually been a part and involved in this um, Christmas morning puppy giving, you know what it's like to try to put the puppy in a box, right? <laughs> I mean, this, this, this little bundle of joy um, with all of its hair and accidents that happen and everything else, it just does not want to be contained in that box, right? it's kind of a fun thing. Of course, you can't wrap a puppy in a box and put it under the tree like you do all the other Christmas gifts a few days ahead of time. Uh, uh, your puppy has to uh, uh, be uh, stored someplace, has to be kept someplace in a room or outside. And then you have to deal with the fact that you've got to keep the puppy quiet uh, while you're waiting on it. And then you have to uh, try to time it all out so that it comes in at the right time. It's open by the kids or the whoever's going to receive it. And, and uh, it's, it's just that's why a lot of people just don't do the box thing. <clears throat> they uh, keep the puppy in a room and they keep it outside and they bring it in at an appropriate time. And it comes bounding in to the squeals of delight by everybody. It's just always a treat. You see, a dog is just uncontainable in a box. I mean, at some point, it's going to have to, it's going to just come spilling out with loves and licks and kisses and all this kind of fun stuff. It's, it's just going to, it's going to happen. He can't put it, keep it in the box. And um, the same is true when it comes to those who receive the puppy. They can't keep it to themselves. <clears throat> they, they want to show it and pass it around. Everybody in the house, oh, look how cute. He want to pass it around. They're going to buy love on it. And, and then, of course, they, 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 they can't wait, stop there. They got to go take it outside to show it to the neighbors and to their friends. And, and they put it in the car and they drive it around town to the store and to the, the salon and to the dentist. And, or maybe not the dentist. <clears throat> but anyway, they, um, they, they, you get the idea. They want to share it with everybody they meet. They want to share this bundle of joy with everybody. And, and it doesn't stop there. Those who they show it to, they, they call the kids. Hey, come see. They call their husband. They call their friends. And everybody wants to see and be a part of this cuteness and happiness that exudes from this puppy. I got to think about that. You know, joy is a lot like puppy. It's not like puppies. Fortunately, it's not as hairy or as uh, messy as a, as a puppy is. But, but a joy is boundless. It is uncontainable. Joy just flows for out. It, it overflows. And when you experience joy, <clears throat> it's something you can't contain to yourself. You've got to share it with others. <clears throat> joy just has this way of bubbling over, of pouring out, overflowing, and touching everyone that it comes in contact with. And joy is the subject and the focus of the third Sunday of Advent. <clears throat> if you've been with us in the last <clears throat> few weeks, excuse me, <clears throat> if you've been with us in the last few weeks, you know that <clears throat> we've been focusing on the various attributes of God represented in the, the coming of the Messiah, the coming of Jesus Christ on Christmas. The first week, we focused on how God with us uh, brings hope. Second week, we talked about how God with us brings love. <clears throat> Today, we're focusing on how God with us brings joy. <clears throat> we'll talk about peace next week, but the angel proclaimed the fact that Jesus is Emmanuel. He is God with us, and Jesus embodies all of these traits that are, we've been talking about, hope, love, joy, and peace. 
On the first Sunday, we focused on the story of Zechariah. If you were with us, uh, Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth were the parents of John the Baptist. We read about this in our scripture lesson. And Zechariah was a priest. He was working in the temple, and he gets this visit from the angel. And the angel tells him that his wife Elizabeth is going to bear a son. You, you know the story, Zechariah didn't believe the angel. I mean, his, his wife Elizabeth was way past the years of bearing children. And because of his disbelief, his doubt, the, the angel says, your voice will be silenced until the child is born. And so you remember how that story took place. But today I really want to focus on the story of Elizabeth, his wife. Because in this story of God with us, Elizabeth experienced the true blessing of God's joy. You see, for the people in Jesus' day, at that time, children were considered to be very important. Children allowed a family to pass on their heritage, allowed them to pass on uh, their family. Thank you. They allowed um, the children, allowed them to pass on their family's name, their heritage. Children also offered more hands to do the daily work that was needed, the task of that day. And it enabled them to uh, be able to forge a livelihood by having them pass on their trade, their craft they were doing. But more, more importantly, children were viewed in that day as being a gift from God, literally, a sign of God's favor upon them. So in that context, being childless, would cause a person to feel great frustration, sorrow, even shame. And Elizabeth was one who experienced that kind of despair. I mean, like most women of that culture, when she married her husband, Zechariah, they had hoped that they would have children right away. And that's whatever happened in that day. And she probably had hoped that she was going to have lots of children, a house full of children. And surely she dreamed of that day when she would hold her newborn baby She probably even came up with some names, (laughs) as most women do, anticipating the children they're going to have and what they would name them. But um, Elizabeth might have first of all dismissed the fact that she didn't get pregnant right away. Uh, Maybe the timing was not right (laughs) to conceive. Or maybe like some of you in this room, um, there was a pregnancy And hope and joy would surely fill Elizabeth's heart when she realized she was pregnant. She might have even told others that she was pregnant. But then something happened, and there was a miscarriage. Well, physically terrible and emotionally of a pain, she might have dismissed, you know, the first time it happened, maybe even the second time. But as it kept happening over and over again, her worst fears became a reality. Surely others in her family, friends, tried to console her, tried to comfort her. Some probably even gave her some advice. While well-intended, it was probably painful. There were things said probably like, well, maybe there's some sin in your life you haven't confessed, and that's why you're not getting pregnant. I mean, that's what they thought that day and time. Others might have said, um, we tried this, and we got pregnant. Why don't you try that? And, and um, others... Probably just for very, you know, he had those matter of fact, black and white people says, obviously something's wrong with you. Well, eventually, Elizabeth's hope for a child began to slowly die. As she came to realize the painful fact that there was something wrong and she could not have children. 
And at some point, the social stigma would have been placed upon her. Barren, they would have called her. And this would have become a shameful and permanent mark upon her life. Elizabeth would never be considered uh, as worth, worthy or esteemed as most of the other women in her village were. She would always carry this stigma. And that had to be hard for her to live her life under that social stigma of being a failure in the eyes of her society and her village, even her family. Yet, you know, it's interesting, even though she carried this emotional burden, we read in the scriptures that both her and her husband, Zechariah, remained faithful to God. They didn't turn away from God. They remained faithful. Luke describes them like this. He, he says, both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all of the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. So this is how they plan on living out the rest of their life. They would serve God. <clears throat> they, um, being a priest, <clears throat> the family, they would serve uh, the needs of the community, but without children. But at that point, God shows up. <clears throat> God comes to them. On an ordinary day, as Zechariah is working in the temple, the angel Gabriel comes to him and gives him this miraculous uh, news and message saying that, you know, your, your wife is going to bear a son. And after Zechariah doubted, <clears throat> he was no, not able to speak. I've always wondered, how, how did he go home and tell Elizabeth <laughs> about this? <laughs> I mean, he can't speak. He had to give her sign languages. Uh, I don't know if she could read or not. He might have wrote it out or, or something, but most people didn't read or write in that day. Uh, so I, he, he can't even tell his wife what the angel told him. But somehow he communicates this, and probably Elizabeth thought he was crazy. Um, you know, it's just too good to be true for, to her, for sure. Maybe within her there was hope that welled up, but I mean, could she even allow herself to go there after all she had been through? Uh, could she open her heart to the possibility, even after, I mean, after all she had hoped for, had longed for, had wished and prayed for, only to be let down again? But actually, you know, you read the text and you find out that, uh, that Elizabeth seemed to accept this easier than Zechariah did. For we read, she was soon saying, The Lord has done this for me. In these days he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. A little side thing that's interesting, you read in Luke's Gospel, he says that for the next five months of her pregnancy, she remained in seclusion. Now, we're not sure why she did that. Or maybe... She uh, feared the worst. She uh, was afraid that this was going to end up like all the other pregnancies and she'd have another miscarriage or something. And so she couldn't bear that loss and that public shame again. So she just remained in seclusion, quiet about it. Or maybe uh, she knew that no one would believe her until she started to show. And so she just remained until it was definite <laughs> that she was going to have a child. Or maybe this was her, her way of sharing in the silence of her husband. Uh, we really don't know, but... For the next five months, she kept this joy contained within a box, so to speak. Seclusion. But then, six, in the sixth month of her pregnancy, she experienced a deep joy, an overwhelming joy that was brought about by the coming of the Messiah within Mary's womb. 
Remember, we talked about Mary's journey a, a few weeks ago and how she received this uh, angelic message uh, as well about a baby going to be with her in her womb. And so uh, she leaves her house and she travels to her Elizabeth's house and stays with her for three months. But as soon as Mary arrives, Elizabeth's baby, the scripture says, leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And suddenly Elizabeth's silence and her seclusion came to an end and her joy began to overflow as she greeted Mary with this beautiful message. Blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. The puppy was now out of the box, right? Joy was overflowing. Even Mary broke out in her own song of praise. as She praised God because finally, finally she was being understood. She was being affirmed. She was being believed. More than anybody else in this whole world at that point could, these two women understood what each other was going through. And they were sharing a joy that just would not be contained. It overflowed. Even though both of them were facing uncertain futures and challenging times, as we know, still at that moment, Emmanuel, God with us, was pouring forth his joy upon this earth. It began to overflow. It started to ripple outward uh, when Elizabeth gave birth to her son, John, uh, three months later. The whole village got the news and uh, the joy of this miracle spread through her village, through her family. As in Luke chapter 157, it says her neighbors and her relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her joy. Of course, there's no greater joy, perhaps, than a mother who gets to hold her newborn child. And for Elizabeth, you know, that joy had to be overwhelming. Because she was experiencing a miracle here that that overcame a lifetime of hurt and pain and disrespect and shame. Yet, it was only the beginning of the miracles that she would behold in her lifetime. This is a wonderful story of how God's joy overcomes shame and pain. But how does it connect with our lives? What about you? What would you give to, to know such a joy? To have all of your shame and your pain your scars wiped away so dramatically. Well, we may not see that happen in our lives as clear and obvious as a miracle did for Elizabeth. But the joy that Elizabeth experienced is something that we can experience too. That's the message of Christmas. This is a joy that came into our world through Jesus Christ, who we know is God with us. And though we're living in a time that is long time past when Jesus came into this earth, the joy that he offers us is still available. It still can be experienced. This is what we read from Peter. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. An inexpressible a glorious joy. You know, that's something that runs much deeper than mere happiness. I mean, we all want to be happy. We all love to feel good. But, you know, happiness is fleeting. It's something that, that comes and goes with life's experiences. 
happiness, we experience that at a birthday party. You know, we experience it with balloons and the birthday uh, deal. We experience it when our favorite song comes on on a hot summer day. Uh, we experience happiness when we get an encouraging message from one of our friends. Uh, we experience it when we win the big game, <laughs> uh, when we eat a delicious meal, when that cuddly ball of fur cuddles, snuggles up in your lap. But again, these are all good and enjoyable things that we should savor throughout life, but those, those feelings are fleeting. Joy, it certainly includes happiness, but it's something that runs much deeper. Joy permeates everything within our soul. Uh, you experience joy at the birth of your child. You experience joy on your wedding day. You experience joy when you're declared cancer-free for good. Or when your loved one comes out of a coma and has no brain damage at all. Joy is rooted in deep gratitude and hope that has been fulfilled. It's based on something that changes your life and changes your perspective forever. And this is the kind of joy that we talk about in Christmas, the coming of Christ. The gift of God with us. It's an inexpressible and a glorious joy, Scripture says, for Jesus is the source of our joy. With his life, with the promise of eternal life that he brings to us, we can experience this deep sense of joy in the face of all the pain, all that we encounter, whatever we encounter in life, you can still have that abiding deep sense of joy. Uh, Jesus tried to explain this to his disciples when he was talking about his coming death and his resurrection. He says to them, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. And so we can live today with a sense of joy, confidence that an even greater, unending joy will finally be ours someday. One day we will experience in all of its fullness. And so our joy and our hope is rooted in what Jesus has done for us in the past and what we know he will do for us in the future but the joy we're talking about is not just uh, in the past. It's not just part of the future. It's something you can experience today on a daily basis. As I said earlier, happiness, it comes and goes with life's circumstances. But joy defies our circumstances. It truly does. Joy flows deep, even in the midst of the challenges we face with suffering and, and the trial and tribulation, because joy drawn from Jesus, who is God with us, Look at the bigger picture that is beyond our immediate pain or immediate circumstances. You see the bigger picture of what God is doing. Joy understands that there's more to the eye. We read this in James. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking anything. See, joy understands that there's something beyond what we see. There's more than what the eye beholds when it comes to life. That God is always at work. He's always at work, even through the tough times. And eventually, God will bring about good. God will make everything right and healed and whole, including us, eventually. Because we know that God is with us. We can experience this joy we're talking about, God's joy in the here and now, regardless of what the here and now looks or feels like. And 
sure, that's, that's a process. I mean, it doesn't just happen overnight. You don't experience that way, but it, it's a process. And this is why uh, it's part of the point as we continue to, to open ourselves to God's spirit at work in our lives on a daily basis, when we immerse ourselves in God's word, when you align your thinking and your, your perspectives with God's will and God's ways, you begin to experience God's spirit at work with you every day. It, it brings you clarity. It brings you understanding and strength to, to, to see and to act upon the joy that he gives you but that's part of what the blessing of walking with the god who is with us every day of life so what about you do you know this kind of joy that we're talking about what are the circumstances that you're experiencing during this season of advent that's is stealing the joy the pain the the hurts that are overwhelming your sense of joy clouding it out. I don't mean to make light of whatever you're going through because whatever you're going through, the pain is real. I'm simply trying to encourage you to be open to a different perspective, to have another view, look at things from a different angle. I'm encouraging you to ask God to help you to see what God is doing in the midst of that, to have another view, to see his bigger picture. It's not that God's causing the suffering in your life, but to be able to see how God can redeem that, bring good out of it somehow. Because this is what God does. Again, you may not experience that as a miracle that's clear and obvious as, as Elizabeth did. But in the season of Advent and Christmas, there is a miracle we all can experience. It is the miracle of God that has come to us, that is with us, to heal us, to redeem us, to forgive us, to restore us, to turn our pain into good if we entrust our lives and our circumstances to him. This is what gives us a sense of joy, even in the darkest of nights. This was the good news that came from the angel when he talked to those fearful shepherds out in the dark of the field that night and told him of the coming Messiah. The angel said, do not be afraid, for I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. Jesus, who came to be God with us, brings us joy no matter what we're facing. But here's the thing. Joy is a choice. Really, it's a choice. I mean, God has given us this tremendous gift in Jesus Christ, but it has to be opened. It has to be chosen. I mean, Elizabeth could have chosen to be focusing on all the the bad things about this deal. Uh, She could have chosen to have doubts about God doing this thing, uh, that God was actually going to use her son to prepare the way for the Messiah. But she chose joy. Mary. Mary could have been focused on all of the the, uh, bad aspects, the negative things about bearing this child uh, that she was going to to lose her fiancé. She was going to be banished by her family and her community. Uh, she was going to watch her son have to be ridiculed and suffer death. I mean, she could have chosen to focus on all that, but she chose to focus on joy. In Luke um, chapter 1, verse 46, here's what she says. She says, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me Blessed. Mary chose joy. She chose to focus on the big picture of what God was doing. She chose to embrace that difficult role that she was given, trusting in God. 
She didn't have to, but she did. And because she did, she experienced that inexpressible and glorious joy. Well, the message today is that we can do the same thing. We can choose joy. We, we have a reason for joy. The reason is Jesus Christ who came into our world as God with us. So this season, let us choose to rejoice in that miracle that God came with us. He is with us. Let us choose to make this a season indeed of joy in spite of what we encounter. God with us is our reason for joy. I mean, God is with us, so we are able to have joy. Joy is with us because God is joy, a joy that flows deep within us in spite of whatever we face because we have a king, we have a savior who is always with us, who always loves us, who is always at work bringing about good from whatever pain we may be experiencing. So in that spirit, I just want to leave you with these words of the psalmist. Let those who take refuge in you, O Lord, be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may rejoice in you. This is the good news and the hope of Christmas. May it be yours. Amen.